Pushing Back Chaos with Mel and Mike and Raph. Welcome back to another episode of Pushing Back Chaos with me, Paul Mel and McFadden. Got my boys here, Mike and uh, Tio. How are you going, Mike? All right, now we're going to talk about it. <laughs> so we just we just tried our first attempt at uh, recording, and Mellon opened up freshly with "Welcome, not not your average operator, mates." And uh, I was totally wrong. That's our old podcast, and uh, I would just like to state it's uh, two two twenty three a.m. here on the East Coast, and it's late morning for Mellon. And this is why we don't let you start off shit like this in the morning, man. <laughs> then we have to pause and go back and re-record do you know what i do like all three of us got the memo we've somehow all three of us have a line one blue t-shirts it's like the musketeers it's pretty funny cherry walked past and had a little laugh oh so cute off she went <laughs> <laughs> how are you how are you going there Rath? i'm good man uh just watching you fuck it away uh, unlike the two professionals that Mike and I are, but uh, dude, I'm good, man. Just a little, well, not as late as it is, I guess, for Mike. It's pretty late over there, huh? Yeah, it's it's good, man. This whole past week for me has been not much sleep and a lot of stuff, so it's kind of good. I, I went through this assessment program. It was like five days. I don't know how I'm not in jail, but uh <laughs> It, it was good, man. It's a lot of like physical, physical stuff, psychological assessments, and uh, really good feedback, to say the least. I, I did get a lot out of it, but it's been a tough week for me because I tweaked my back, and I feel like an old man. <laughs> I, I pulled something in my in my in my back and hurt it a little bit. And uh, actually, later on this morning, I'm going to go get checked out by physical therapy. Maybe get some dry needling done and see what uh, see what the problem is. But a little bit of a setback, and yeah, kind of been taking it a little bit easy on the physical side. But other than that, yeah, not much sleep again. It's all right. I've had worse, much worse. Can you tell, can you tell us much about the assessment, Mike? Like. Physical part, I know that's really easy for people to understand. Your line of work, a whole whole range of uh, physical assessments, but I know you've you've also had some really interesting uh, developmental stuff. And so there's this uh, whole thing in soft, and you know, again, this is public source. This isn't anything crazy or anything. But back in 2018, there was a comprehensive review of all special operations forces. And what was going on in the community, you know, there was some, you know, just like everywhere else, there's always some bad eggs, there's some negative people doing stuff. And basically, you know, a couple of years later, now, they started this uh, assessment program uh, for SOF, and it's kind of in the pilot phase right now. But they're doing it for a certain rank, you know, senior leadership enlisted and officer. And they just really want to screen people better. Uh, so they look at your physical side, your psychological side, uh, and then just kind of like your personality and like everything down and in. And there was uh, there's a certain test that they have. It's called a combine. And they basically look at it from a athlete, athlete, blah, sorry, <laughs> athletic uh, view. So they look at all these different uh, Olympic athletes 
So you got your swimmers, your distance runners, your sprinters, uh, shot put, you know, just all different things. And they have a chart. It's really, really cool. And they line us up to different, you know, it's kind of like a, a triangle. And if you were like looking at different things of like speed, strength, stamina on those three points, and it shows you like where we should be, but we have to transition. So like more like land warfare, you're doing more of your longevity and your stamina uh, for urban warfare. You're running house to house and now you're more of like the sprinter and all that. And then obviously, you know, if you're doing anything in the water, you know, then it's a whole nother category. So all these different workouts they do, they combined with, uh, I would say, the NFL combine. So you're doing personal strength and all that. And then they added stuff onto what we do onto the back end, which is like, you know, uh, my test is like body composition. So they put you in all these machines. It tells you down to like your water weight just by holding these two things and like gives your whole scan readout. Tells you, uh, you know, if your hips are in line, your shoulders like full, full readout. It's really, really cool. You get a whole packet about your, your yourself, either while you're a stud or while you're a broken old man like I am. <laughs> and uh, so you get that feedback, but then you go out and do the test. And it was like standing long jump. There's uh, jumping, uh, stand, you know, vertical jump. And then there's what, 25 pound pull ups, max 300 meter shuttle uh, shuttle run. Uh, and you do it twice and you see how fast you can recover. And by that time, your legs are already blown out and then three mile run and then right into an 800 meter swim. And it's all just testing and they look at all this data and all this crazy stuff. But uh, I, that's where I, I, I tweaked my back uh, running. I was about a mile in and just it locked up on me and then it was connected to my right hip and then in my groin and like couldn't extend and. And then, and then I got finished that and then got in the pool and just didn't make it any more happy. But oh, overall, they're just doing this whole screening process now, man. It, it, it's about five days and they're just trying to pick out the, 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 the best leaders that they can psychologically, physically, and just see where you're at in your career. And they're just collecting all the data for this pilot right now. But it was inter very interesting. It's the first time I've ever done it. And but I walked away better had a better understanding of myself. You sit with a psychologist for like a couple hours and they just literally peel you open and read you like a book. And the lady I had was very, very accurate and opened my eyes to a couple of things of like why I am the way I am. And also we had this other guy, he's an executive coach. So he's like a four time, his name's uh, Rod Olson. If you guys want to look him up, but he is an executive coach and he's like a four-time national college football champion and he's done work with major league baseball nhl nfl uh, he's been mentoring uh, over on the navy's side of the special operations thing for like eight years so like to all their leadership admirals captains uh master chiefs all that sort of side so uh, he came in and gave us some classes and discussed some different things and Really, really good. Melon and I had a great conversation about it. Uh, some great points that were brought out about leadership and culture and organization and business and everything you can freaking think of under the sun. And it was really good. So that was, you know, that was kind of my week. And, and I think this topic that we selected this week is a result of it. And uh, 
I'm looking forward to it, man. This is this is gonna be a good one. First up, I want to say that that combine sounds like a freaking gag fest. It sucked, I was, dude. I, I tasted bowl just thinking about <laughs> just thinking about doing that right now. But like clearly that'd be, you know, gathering data and baselining. I mean, this is the kind of thing that I'm sure the public assumes uh, or would think about when they're thinking of um, people in your line of work. And hats off to you for getting after it and getting out there and, and doing that stuff. The thing that might be more interesting for people or might be less uh, assumed or less well-known is, is all that psychological stuff of, you know, being able to, there's that old Greek line, right? Know thyself. And we, 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 we've done previous episodes about navigating and we're not just talking about navigating physically, but you do need to know where you are before you can ever go anywhere. Like you don't know what improvements to make or what direction to set off in. If you if you don't have that that first position figured out and it sounds like that's like there's a really good like lesson in life in what you've just described like a physical a mental a bit of an emotional stock take get where you're at assess your strengths weaknesses and then put in place a training program and move forward i know jordan peterson we talk about a lot he's he's a big one on doing big psychological self-assessments to get an understanding yourself and your motivations and figure yourself out. It sounds like a really good comprehensive program and then some coaching so you can get into action like what, which direction to go now, you know, what to do with that data. Yeah. The, the most intimidating part of it is probably the psychological part. Like, you know, everybody in there is operators and they're like, yeah, PT, physical stuff. Sure. Got it. No big deal. That's not the worry. Lots of guys get really wrapped around the psychological piece when they start getting peeled open or like, oh, yeah, you're, you know, you're not the normal or, hey, you're red flagging, you're very high in this. And it's like, well, and, you know, obviously you don't want any like sociopath or like psycho killer, like hidden in the ranks there, <laughs> you know, they'll screen you out. But the, what I took away from it was, hey, the, there's no right or wrong answers per se during this process. It's just really peeling you open and seeing where your strengths and your weaknesses are because you're going into this leadership position. Like I already had it. They just made me do it for the data portion, you know, but they're going to give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down at the end of the week and be like, Hey, we recommend you for this position or, or, or we don't. And here's why. And the best thing to think about is like, yeah, I want an outside perspective. I want to understand myself and know my weaknesses because I'm going to go into this position, whether, you know, well, I, I could deny it, but I'm not going to, but you're going in and knowing, I know I'm not good at this. And maybe my, you know, my boss or my teammates, maybe they're really good in this. And when I recognize it, I can be like, Hey, just to let you know, I am not a good person to deal with conflict. Like I can't, deliver bad news. So I'm going to need your help to do it, you know, as an example. And it's it's just good, man. Like you think you always have the answers, especially going as a leader. But right before the this, this show started, I said, you know, I was explaining the officer and enlisted relationship. And it's just like, it doesn't matter. No matter what community you go to, wherever you go, everybody's doing that job for the first time in a new position. And like, you, you just got to realize like, who are you for one? And then two, what's your, what's your new role? And you just got to grow together and figure it out, you know, and the best way through that is self-awareness, communication, and honesty. You'll figure it out. 
Hey, Mike, honest, honest question. I'm expecting an honest answer. How many times did Mellon's name come up when you were talking to the psychologist? <laughs> uh, so actually, like no bullshit. Uh, she was asking me some questions. She's like, do you read books? Like, what do you like to read? And, you know, all these different things. And I was like, well, I can't read. But I listened to my Australian mate and like I tried to decipher uh, some of his knowledge that he comes across when he's drinking, you know, and he has some brown Gatorades or some tinnies and he calls me from Spain telling me about random weather and shit and listen to Metallica, you know, and I'm like, that's kind of my mentor. And she just looked at me and, and, she, and I was like, I'm totally messing with you. But <laughs> so I had that and then I actually had a raft, too. You know, they're like, hey, who's a mentor? And I, I wrote Raf's name on here, like at the top of the page. It's on there. But I actually did talk about you guys uh, quite a lot because this is a huge influence on who I am now with my, you know, just everything about me, my, my poise, how I communicate, like what I talk about. And uh, I actually, no shit, brought you guys up and gave you guys kudos to some true professionals and Honestly, they were very receptive to it and enjoyed having conversations with me because I wasn't just knuckle dragging and saying the F word every two minutes, you know, like, like or every two seconds, like a caveman. So they enjoyed it. So at the I'm assuming that at the end of that conversation with the psychologist, once she realized that your two the two people you put on there were pilots, the only assumption she could come up with is. Well, the look she gave me, she goes, well, what do they do? And I, I said, I was like, well, there are two pilots. And she just kind of like looked at me and grinned. And she, she, she was like former FBI. And she does, she does stuff with uh, pilots, with firemen, with the, you know, the FBI, with police, like all these different communities. And she just looked and she's like, yeah, she's like, yeah. <laughs> she's like, you guys have two things, two things in common. One, you're very high on yourselves. And two, you, you you like to find women who are walking uh, like dumpster fires. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and I was like, wow. I was like, wow. Well, that's uh, that's nice, you know. And she, she just kind of she's like, well, it's true. And I was like, hey. can you write that down for me? Is that going on my assessment? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just I don't know. It's so, going on your CV. Yeah, yeah. 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 So our there's my answer. We better not let our three partners listen to this one. <laughs> Three little dumpster fires. It's just an opinion. Back in the back in the day, I know Raf and I both would have had somewhat somewhat of a similar uh, psych assessment and you know gross motor skills and stuff. When I was on pilot course, they came back and they updated like the recruiting tests for hand-eye coordination and a whole bunch of other spatial awareness and so on for the aircrew, and they like ran the tests on the guys who were in the pipeline being trained already and they <clears throat> I think they gathered some data on guys who are in the squadrons as well and it was just like you know we want to figure out what actual pilots are like on these tests rather than just like a psychologist has come up with a test so they just needed to baseline it you know like make sure that they were testing the right way and knowing figuring out what what could look like in that particular area but I remember reading my p-file my psych file when I um when I was on uh, pilot's course, interesting reading. 
Just said asshole in capital letters. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was seven pages, and <laughs> each page was a giant capital letter. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, that was good. Seven letters uh, in asshole. That's probably the best burn I've heard in a, in a long time. That's good, man. I'm I'm impressed that you could count the number of letters in asshole so quickly. I, I'm, you've you've done well on the test there. I'm struggling, man. Yeah. No, no, no. Good. Uh, Mike at two a.m. Even more, Mike. Yeah. But, so, but it's 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 worth doing this stuff. You know, like like honestly, there is there is benefit in getting a bit of an understanding of yourself, and it's like just really only looking for the areas for improvement. You know, like what can we work on here? And knowing knowing the stuff that you where you have natural strengths, that's just like whatever. You know, you just you hit your eyes brown. You've got a natural strength in this. You've done nothing to earn that. Now let's look at the areas that you have difficulties in and then pour your energy into that. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that's kind of the you know, the topic that we're going to talk about today uh, as part of this is, you know, you really get into the the really fine stuff. And today's topic is the importance of precision. OK. And, you know, we talked about a little bit before the show, before we hit record. And we have some examples of always the, the two sides of professional and personal and why it's important to have precision uh, at work and also at home in your home life. And, um, you know, to go along with this, there's a, there's a really good saying that, you know, I've shared and it's nothing new. I'm not gonna act like I, I made it. It's been around for a while, but within the uh, sniper uh, community, there's a saying and it's called aim small, miss small. And what that means is, you know, if, if you're lining up on a, on a long range and you have a rifle and you're aiming at a man-sized target, if I'm trying to put that scope in the sights and I'm trying and I'm aiming just to hit the person, so I'm just aiming around the chest and I squeeze that round off, uh, I might miss by one to two feet, right? I'm just trying to hit the figure. But if I'm really focused and I'm aiming for precision, I'm trying to hit him right in that square button on his t-shirt, square in the middle. If I miss, I'm going to miss by one to two inches. Uh, and I'm still going to hit my target. Uh, that's the difference when when you hear aim small, miss small. And that's applicable, like I said, through professional life. So in a tactical environment, obviously for me, uh, but also it's like I can look at every other aspect of my life and figure out like, yeah, aim small, miss small. You know, why can't I do that at home in my relationships or my communication or when I'm trying to figure out my daily goals every day? Like, what exactly am I trying to accomplish here? And if I don't accomplish it, am I still going to get pretty damn close, you know? So, yeah, that this assessment that I was talking about, all that kind of filtered in. This is one of the topics that it was. And, uh, you know, we, we had a conversation after class the other day. And uh, I think this is definitely a good one for people to, you know, sit down and, and, and think about. Just a little definition I just looked up was um, precision is the quality condition or fact of being exact and accurate. So exact and accurate. Mm. We, we use a lot, like I use a lot when I'm teaching, uh, teaching flying, and I talk about you know defining the word and what it means, and comparing 
the like the the surgeon operating on someone's heart with the the pilot with the you know either a weapon that has to hit a target or a, a cargo full you know like 150 250 people down the back and it's it's a lot it's a lot to do with the attention to detail like there's a lot of base understanding you need before you can be precise in anything you know you're just going to be swinging an axe at a tree until you can sit down and get some theory and <clears throat> some understanding and so on but then it's it's really about your direction of attention so focused attention like getting your altitude your track and your speed which are the stuff that Raf and I use in our day to day all the time just bring in the miss the miss distance down you know if there's a plus or minus 2 degrees or plus or minus 100 foot sort of error if you can just keep bringing that error error circle down that's something that we're striving for and you see the you know cadets when they're starting out you know, it's a really large uh, error and then as they go we're trying to introduce that value of really striving for something and so it's a very very important quality for people who are in the aviation game right yeah absolutely uh so this was a huge discussion point in one of the the coaching classes and i took some notes uh that i brought up <clears throat> and he uses an acronym called scene s-e i'm no, sorry s-c-e-n-e and I'll kind of go over it, but it kind of leads into this. And there's three main things that uh, really catch your eye, <laughs> you know, in your daily life at work or at home. Uh, it's laziness, complacency, and uh, not full understanding of like what, what's going on, right? And every day can get like mundane or whatever, but those three things kind of constantly show up throughout your daily schedule at work, at home, whatever. And, um, you know, I'll just read through some of these, but this is, this is the very common setting of today's society. All right. And if you hear them, it's kind of like, think about it. Like, why do we need precision? Well, these are the reasons. Uh, these are the beliefs. Speed is good and slow is bad. Right. So everything fast, like everybody today wants it now. Uh, speed does not always mean good. Right. Uh, there's a really good saying with it. It says, um, and I, I, we posted it out on our uh, social media page, but anything that is built fast does not last. Right. You miss the precision. It was done hastily. You know, it's either lazy, like, oh, I'll just hurry it up and get through it. And you're probably going to miss your target because you missed the finer details or the, the preparation be, uh, before you, you ultimately like send it. Right. Uh, convenience is good and hard work is bad. Uh, that's another one. Entertainment is good and boring is bad. Uh, the key to that part is like fall in love with the boring, find out all the details that you can. Like, again, you're diving through, you're going through the process. Yes, it's long. Yes, it's whatever, but you're getting all the data that you need in order to make a precise decision to get as close as to the end state as possible. Uh, I really like that. Uh, nurturing is good and risk taking is bad. Uh, so again, everybody wants to be coddled. Everybody wants to be comfortable. You know, uh, you get a little bit uncomfortable. Well, we're going to pick you up and move you and put you somewhere else where no one's pushing you or doing whatever. It's like, you know, you want to get better. You want to become an elite athlete. You want to become an elite anything. 
you can ask every one of them. It doesn't just happen by through comfort. Like they have very like specific training, very specific, I can't even freaking talk specific goals uh, that they go through and specific regimen every single day. And that's what sets them apart from good from great is very uh, precise actions that they repeat on a regular basis. It's a routine. Uh, and then the last part is entitlement is good and earning it is bad. So like what Mellon said, hey, I, I woke up today, my eyes are brown. So just give me everything that I want. Right. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> it's not going to it's not going to work that way. Um, so thinking about precision. All right. You got to earn it. All right. What are you trying to earn? Like, really? Hey, I, you know, I, I want some food. No, no. Way too way too broad. What do you want? Well, I want to earn myself a nice 16 ounce steak with a potato and this, that, whatever. Like you got to be specific on what you want. And why is that important? Because it's either you're going to get a steak dinner or you're going to get a Big Mac with cheese and it's going to be falling apart and, you know, stuff up your guts or whatever with fast food. So, you know, it's just a silly example, but all of those are kind of the society that we live in today that he's found as being factual about what people expect and how they go throughout their day. And you can see the lack of precision in people's thinking and their processes and their goals. And it's like, man, why why wouldn't you want a specific target to hit? You know? I was looking at that list. So that acronym there being seen, speed is good, slow is bad, convenience good, hard work bad, entertainment good, boring bad, nurturing good, risk taking bad, entitlement good, earning bad. I was really like, I sort of sat for a while looking at it and thinking, I reckon there's a fair bit in that where we value, you know, fast, quick, good enough now rather than, and there's like a, like mastery takes a long time. There's no shortcutting a lot of this stuff and recognizing that if you're, if you're, if you're going to be world-class at something, it's going to take a long time to build that, character, that skill, that whatever it is that we're talking about. One of the ones that really struck me was the nurturing is good and risk-taking is bad. And I was thinking that that is like a reflection on society, that we, it's not just an individual that we're, it's like we want, we're encouraging behaviour from people where we, we praise the people who really care about everyone's feelings. And yet we really need the risk-takers like putting risk-taking in a negative light, like we we never would have had the people sail across the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean and or Indian Ocean and so on to find Australia or the US. Like we need people who are willing to take risks to better the society and so on. I was, I was really struck by that sort of parallel in a lot of those areas, Mike, where it's talking about, you know, like the slow grafting, striving, wanting to get better every day, being willing to take measured risks, but risks that, that are necessary and and earning your stripes and earning your, your credibility. Like there's a, a lot of it, it's like the slow food movement in Italy. I know we posted something a little while ago about when McDonald's first opened in Italy, they had the first store that opened in Rome. It was like a thing that wasn't allowed to open for years and they opened right next to the Spanish steps in Rome. And it's all, it's a pretty funny one to see. It's like, it's all marble and everything inside. It's not, doesn't look like a normal McDonald's. They're trying to keep the Italians happy. And there was a big protest around the country and they started this slow food movement 
where it was like the opposite rejecting fast food. It was like, no, 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 you grow your tomatoes in your, in your, in your veggie patch and you, you know, you water them and you get the sun and, you know, you harvest them when they're ripe and you make that pasta by hand and you let that stew simmer and, you know, you cook it like your nonna and it's like, you don't need everything right now. Like we want everything right now, but, but things that are done the right way are going to take a bit of time. And, you know, like all around, <laughs> there's that one McDonald's near the Spanish Steps and there's all these beautiful Italian restaurants everywhere around it where you can go and, and it's not a lot more money, you know what I mean, to go and get a nice panini or bread or something that's been made by someone with an artisanal traits. Like some burrito bread of uh, one of our castmates. Uh, so are you guys done with the racial slurs? Oh, dude, it's a burrito bread, man. It's great food. It's Chez's favorite. It's a good thing it was a it's a good thing it came originated from a beautiful woman. <laughs> um so it, you know, going back to what Malin said, you know, it's interesting because when we were talking about the topic, um, one of the things that kind of came to my mind at least, obviously, clearly the importance of precision is obvious in my line of work, especially the last 30 seconds before I touched down with a, with a 737 full of, you know, passengers in the back. Um, me like literally being dead nuts on my instrumentation before I look outside and actually start looking at the runway and finding my, my place where I'm going to land. I mean, all those things, every time I do a landing, I try to, I try to literally, do my best to kind of remember what altitude I was at, where my power setting was at, you know, what, what it felt like, what seat adjustment I was at, all these little things I try to pay attention. Kind of interestingly though, I think of, I, I think of reaching that, that point of where you really focus on precision as like a low state of energy, meaning, yeah, my senses are heightened, but I'm really not, my heart rate isn't high. My, my my attention span is 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 really keen and it's heightened, but I don't feel like I'm at a thousand percent rev, right? Like I'm feel like I'm at low, you know. If if I have a scale of zero to a thousand, I'm probably sitting between two two fifty. And the reason I think that's important is because that's when you know you've gotten close to. I'm not going to say I'm a master at what I'm doing, but. I'm so comfortable that my heart rate isn't up. My breathing is calm. My breathing is deep. But I do know that I have the potential for, for other things. Like if on that approach, I have to do a go around, if I have to do all these other things, I've already thought about what that's going to look like. And that's not really going to raise my pulse too much. It might, depending on where I'm at. If I'm in Southeast Alaska, it's snowing, storms, winds, are, you know, there's all these things that are going to, you know, it's going to start increasing that, that uh, the palpability of the situation. And yeah, Mike, you're going to chime in. Yeah, no, it's a, that's exactly a great example, Raf. And, you know, that's the difference between saying, hey, I need you to land the plane and I need you to land the 737 with this amount of weight, with these type of winds, and you're getting in the gnat's ass of everything, every aspect. And, you know, I want to ask you a question. Why aren't you in high anxiety levels? You know, what's the difference? Why, why, why aren't you panicking? Why isn't your heart rate pounding through your chest when you're landing a giant aircraft full of people? Like, what do you think sets you apart? Well, so what I was going to allude to, what I'm getting to is that when you're really focusing in on this, 
on the precision of things, right? You're really trying to like, you, you tend to peel a lot of the stuff that just is just fluff. Like you, you peel away the things that aren't important. Like, is it important that there's, you know, like for instance, uh, there's, there's an approach we do, it's called an RMP. You guys can look it up. I'm not going to talk about it, but there's an RMP type approach into almost every place we fly into Alaska. And in some of the places you're literally flying through a valley, you know, doing just shy of 200 knots. Um, you're probably within a mile on each side of the wingtip. Um, at some point, when you go below 8,000 feet, you're now inside the valley, meaning in order to escape, I have to climb before I have to turn. And I have to climb at least, you know, four to 5,000 feet. That, that's a significant amount. But the point I'm trying to make here is none of that is important. When, I'm, when you're really, really focused, when you're really, really down to this thing of being precise, you're looking just, just at a couple things. And those couple things for me on the airplane are my pitch and my lateral guidance, right? That's what I'm kind of, I'm looking at a bunch of other things, but most of my energy state is looking at those. If I, if I nail those, nothing else matters, right? Because I don't have to worry about the mountain. That's the scary mountain that's outside that I can't necessarily see, but I know it's there. And, and then the reason I don't have high anxiety is because this is something that I've done over and over and over again. The, and I think this is the important piece. When I'm looking at the instrumentation, I might as well be looking at an instrument on a clear sunny day because it's the same side picture, right? Like outside of the, my window might be different, but the side picture is the same. I've been, I've been training for this for years. I mean, I've been doing this for shit since 2004, you know? So this is something that I've like over time, my, I'm so accustomed to seeing that side picture. And that's why my energy state's so low. But I know that the potential is high, meaning when things start to go apart, I've got the energy state ready to go to rev up and start processing like, okay, shoot, I've got to do a go around. I have to start powering up. I have to start reaching for flaps. I need to start asking him to set different altitudes. I'm going to start looking at the map, you know, where's the red terrain? Where's the green terrain? Like, you know, I'm not saying I can't automatically slip to a higher energy state, but it's, it's on reserve. And I think that because I know it's on reserve, that kind of keeps me calm. Does that even make sense? I don't know. If yeah, it absolutely does. And and the process I wrote down here, dude, and it was a perfect example. Uh, but I took notes this week, and I'm sitting here going through. And this is what I, this is what I had: high clarity equals high understanding. So exactly what you said. You've studied it. You've looked at it. You know the importance of it. You know what the result of it's supposed to be. Like Nat's ass, right? So now you understand it. Once you understand something, all right, hey, my goal is to hit this target at a thousand meters, to land this airplane and at this specific runway with all these different things in this location, whatever it is. Once you have the high understanding, you can have the high performance. If you don't have clarity, if you don't have understanding, you can't perform to that level. You can think about it, you can imagine it, but there's so many missing details in between that you're going to miss it. You know, whether it be in a like like raft master example right there of flying into Alaska, like he showed us pictures, man. And it's just like, man, <laughs> I can't even imagine flying at that altitude and dealing with the winds that come out of those mountains and all the other stuff. So like he's a master at you know trying to get up into there. But uh, you know, what's the difference between doing something like that 
everybody goes to work and we always say work consumes our lives and we're so busy all the time, but I got to be good at my job. I got to be better at my job. I got to do this. Why can't you take these same principles of having high clarity, high understanding, and then want to perform in your personal life as a husband, as a father, as a friend, you know, like it's your own personal life. Like if you and your, you and your wife or you and your kids are struggling, look back at the thing, like, do you have clarity on what you're doing on who you're supposed to be? Like, what are you doing? You know, do you understand what you have to, what you have to do and why do you understand the why is there a why? Because if you don't know your clarity, you don't have an understanding of your role or what you're supposed to be doing with them. You're not going to be able to perform and you're not going to become, you know, a great parent or a great friend. Right. Go ahead, Melon. I can't, obviously, I can just listen to bloody flying stories all day. It's interesting listening to those, your three notes there, Mike. It's pretty funny. We're a long way away from each other, and your high clarity, high understanding, high performance with the like of flow, one leading to the next. Mine was high preparation leads to high confidence, which leads to high performance. Really close. And I've taught from that for a very long time. So, like Raf going in there with his his heart rate's probably sitting at like 70, 80. And, and as he said, he can kick that can kick all the way up, right? His brain's just sitting there on a good, healthy idle. It's not maxed out. Like you wouldn't want to look in the flight station and see a guy who's fucking sweat dripping off him. And he's, you know, or the same thing with a surgeon, you know, you wouldn't want to see a guy with a scalpel in his hand and he's stress rolling off him. And you want that person just to be totally calm. You want them in that position where they're able to take it. They're just taking in information and they're executing something that they know how to do well. And how do they get to that point though, as you've just said? So for me, it was the the prep, the the research that you're talking about there really melds well, Mike, to get that clarity and the understanding. So then doing the reps. So you've got the background information, you've done the reps. So then you're starting from a position of confidence, not overconfidence, but you have a, a healthy level of self-esteem, a healthy earned level of confidence. And then you're in that state of peak performance where you're sitting in the middle of the stress curve. You're not sleepy. You're not stressed. You're right in the zone and you're just executing. And then how do we bring that to our interpersonal relationships? How do we bring that to our family? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that, that there's a, 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 in the clarity at the start or the prep on my one, there, there has to be a level of understanding. You have to understand yourself. You have to understand your situation. You have to understand that male-female dynamic or the husband-wife or the parent-child or the co-worker, whatever that relationship is, if we're going to take this precision out into now uh, away from just the technical elements of what we do. And that's that's a lot of what we, would, we started with, where you're talking about know, know thyself, having an understanding of yourself, having an understanding of the situation. You're, you're in a repetitive argument with your wife or your partner or co-worker or your brother. It's like, what, what is setting this thing up? How am I contributing to this? How can I gain clarity in this situation so that I can get myself back into a calm, confident state and then have a precise conversation perhaps to resolve that? And that's, that's where I was thinking when we're talking about precision in work, family and relationships, that was, I was, I was thinking about how do we apply some of these lessons that we have, it's really clear in our workplace 
how important the precision is and how we train for it and have a lot of understanding. And when I've had conversations that have gone well, when I've resolved very difficult things, as every relationship has stuff come up from time to time, it's been from a, a, a place where there has been that clarity at the start, there's been calmness, and then there's been real precision in speech, real clarity, both people understanding, not like I'm using this word and the other person doesn't know what I'm saying. Raph, you're going to jump in. Yeah, I was going to say the macro view of this, for me at least, the importance of precision. Like I'll give an example of my personal life. Everyone who's listened knows about my son, Soren. Um, from a very early time, once I got over the fear of being a father, I really would have these like deep, almost emotional moments where I, I thought to myself, I really want to have a close relationship with this boy. Like I really, really want him to look at me. And I know just from his look, from his glance, that this boy loves me as much as I love him. But how do you get there? Right. You don't just do it by just thinking about it. You don't do it just by going, I, you know, I love him. You do it by establishing connections and, and relationships. And, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid forties. He's a young boy. I mean, there's stuff that we have in common because we're related, but there's stuff that we don't have in common, right? There's things that he likes doing that I could care less. So I, I really made it a point to kind of, you know, obviously I, I know him because he's my son, but I really do try to pay attention to the things that he likes and things that he doesn't like and the way he, you know, kind of what makes him happy. I mean, I, I can dig into it for hours, but the point is I, I envisioned like very clearly what I needed to do with him, like reading to him, playing with him, getting down to his level, like the things that like he loves and Mike, you were here, like he loves like just being thrown around in the bed and like we call it a soaring airplane and dude, we just did that this morning, but he loves, he loves trucks, he loves sandboxes, he loves the water, anything with water. I mean, literally anything with water. So the point is, I, I create these environments where I know that he's going to absolutely just be like, you know, like just top of the world. And it's gotten to the point where when he sees me, man, I can, I can absolutely tell that his life just, his world just lights up because he associates me with every little adventure we've had together. And, you know, it's not by mistake, it's by design. I literally created the environment so that he and I can like, like bond, you know, and, and when I hold him and I kiss him and like, it's not just a quick kiss. Like I, I really hold him. Like I want him to know I will fucking die for you if I have to. And I think he knows that, you know, and I, again, it's not by mistake. It's by design. I envisioned this. I wanted this to be very precise. I had, I could, I could picture us. I could, I wanted to see the face that I'm starting to see now, right? When, when I walk through the door and he knows that I'm home and he just like comes running, like doesn't matter where he's at in the house. He literally will come half naked, run into the garage door because he knows I'm home. And it's, I mean, that's just, that's one of the benefits of, of being very precise and just fucking away with the fluff, right? Because you don't, we don't have the time. We don't have the time. And that's one of the macro benefits, right? You're saving time and you're saving energy and you're saving the energy for like creating these, the moments that you really, really want in your life. Mike. Yeah. Well, one, I love hearing you talk about being a dad. <laughs> like it really makes me smile, dude. Like hearing, cause I know Soren and how he looks at you and I know how passionate you are. Like 
if anybody knows Raph and, and Mellon as well, but, you know, just particularly about Raph, cause you know, I've been up there and I've seen him and, you know, just been around soaring a lot. <laughs> he just, Raph has a passion about being an elite father, like a great father, but all this that we're talking about precision, you can hear the attention to detail. Like when I walk into the room, I want this reaction. It's not just saying, well, I want to walk in and have a good environment. Like that's way too broad. Like you can hear Raph describing, like when I'm in this environment, this is what I'm looking for. These specific little instances, these little targets, whatever you want to call them. That's the difference, no matter what you do, personally or professionally, that sets you apart from being good to being great. You know, you get the the American football player who's a pass rusher that wants to crush the quarterback. And he's not, you know, the difference between good and great, a good player will say, well, I need to get faster and stronger. Okay, great. Like way too broad. The great player is going to go, all right, I'm going to start at my feet and I'm going to work my way up. I'm taking one too many steps. I should be taking three steps instead of two or, you know, whatever. And he and he's literally getting to know himself. He's grilling himself. He's going through every step of the process to figure out where can I be better? Where do I need to apply the effort? How do I get through it? And then keep doing it. Like you said, the, the maintaining that experience all the single time and putting it into practice and having the awareness after a while, it doesn't get as hard. It's kind of like, okay, I know what this is. And then, you know, it's like, again, you have the clarity, you have the understanding of like what you need to take the next step. And then you, your performance should barring injury or something else should start improving because you're targeting these specific uh, pieces in the, you know, in, in the, uh, in the issue. Go ahead, Melon. It's so nice to you talking about your son, mate. Because, you know, like I feel like I'm a little bit further down the track with my kids. Like, like just last night, I went in my own Michael's bed and talked to them about his mates who are now all around the world. And he, you know, he online games with them. He doesn't miss them. These friends who left, he's got one friend in England. He's got a mate on the, you know, 200 meters away and another guy in South Africa. And they're all just, you know, meeting up and hanging out the way that they do. What, what One of the things here is when you've spent the time really thinking about this stuff, that research, assess, act, that preparation, confidence, performance, that clarity, understanding, performance, you can figure out like uh, how you're going to do the rep, how you're going to do the whatever it is, how you're going to do the coming in the house and talking to your wife, how you're going to, uh, sit in the car for five seconds and get your mind straight before you get out of the car and make sure you're in a good state to receive your wife, all that sort of stuff. And when you're really precise and clear in those things, it becomes it becomes effortless. It, it gets you down to that, you know, Raph coming down, doing something quite challenging from the outside. But he's just, he's got his, his little goals. He's flying down that valley and his heart rate's at 60. He's not freaking out. So that when you've got that real precision in each piece that you're doing, like time with the kids or doing an aircraft walk around or cleaning your rifle, perhaps for, for Mike, you then get consistency and it's effortless to deliver that precision when you've really, you've taken the time to gain the mastery in, in, the, in the first level. And then you can just execute it repeatedly over time. So 
one of the things you can't choose is you can't choose an outcome. You can't choose, I will, I will have the life, we'll have an amazing relationship with my son. All you can choose is the actions that you can undertake day to day. And the outcome is what you get. Like you get what you get. So you could do, you could do this well once and you'd, you'd have some type of an outcome. And then the next time there's a, a flare up or, you know, you're late or you don't deliver on your commitments to your kids. And then you sort of, you do have one that's good and you're like, yeah, look, I was precise, but you're not precise repeatedly. So you're not going to get the outcome that you're targeting. And so a lot of the precision is in the repetitions is in the uh, consistent application over time. And then the out, then the outcome is going to arrive. You're going to get that relationship with your wife where you're able to talk about really hard stuff. You're going to have that relationship with your coworker where you're reliable and dependable for each other because you haven't just been precise on one occasion. Like there's a real element of that that is tied in. It's like, I oh, know I don't even need to ask Raf that his, his walk around on his aircraft, his pre-flight inspection would be exactly the same every time he does it because why would you check this particular latch or this particular instrument on one walk around and not check it the next time? Like there's a, there's a right way to do it and you can figure out the perfect way to do these things. And if something, you know, like I spend time with maintenance guys, if they tell me there's a better thing, I would change my work, my walk around permanently. And then I'll just execute that new, more precise procedure. And I'll just run that until I hear better information and improve it again. So one of the things is you can't choose the outcome. You can only choose your actions and you can, to gain real precision, it has to be like routine. It has to be reliable over time. It's, Mike, I just wanted to add to what you were talking about, aim small, miss small. It's, as soon as you said that, it's interesting because I pictured my, uh, my attitude indicator. And I know for a fact that when I'm making adjustments on my pitch as I'm descending, we're talking, it's, it's a degree. If I've gone over two degrees, I already know in my brain that I've overcorrected. I mean, at, at, so when you said that, I, was, I literally pictured, you know, as I'm shooting these approaches, I'm like, you're right. Most of my approaches are within one degree almost every damn It doesn't matter if it's 45 not cross one. It doesn't matter if it's blue, you know, 22 outside. It, it none of that matters. It's, you know, if you stay on on the on glide path, it the the uh well, the margin for error obviously is small anyways because of of what you're doing. But the point is just thinking about it when you said it, I was like, holy crap, he's right. I mean, you know, it, it's always about one degree off from, you know, where I'm at every time. Yeah. It, this brings up another part of this too. And I, I want to say, but like, we want to hit our target, but you also want to be mindful. Yes, you may hit your target, but then what comes after that? Okay. And how did you get to that target? You can have great precision, but you can, but let's be honest, you can fuck it up along the way. Right. So you can land that plane but maybe you just tossed everybody around in there and, and, and you're getting a one-star <laughs> review. Okay. <laughs> so what I shared this with Mel in this example. So for me, I was a breacher. All right. So what that is, is uh, explosive thermal um, mechanical, like any, if you need me to get into a building or through a wall, I will get you through the wall. All right. So I remember, you know, one time my, my team leader, when I was a younger guy, He's like, hey, I want a man-sized hole through that wall so we can make entry and, you know, to get into this building. And I put a charge on the wall and I blew the living shit out of the wall, right? 
it was bigger than a man size. You could, you could, I mean, it was like three or four people across, like I decimated this wall. Right. And I was like, yeah, Hey, I did it. I did what he said. You know, I, I blew the wall in and he looked at me, he goes, I said a man size hole. And then I like turned back and I realized that like, I destroyed the living shit out of half of this house, you know? And for our job as professionals is like, no, this is training. Okay. But there could be collateral damage in there. There could be civilians or something else in there that, or a gas line or something else that could totally just destroy everything and kill everybody. Right. I wasn't thinking that, you know, all I heard was like, I want you to get through the damn wall, but I wasn't thinking precision. I was thinking big picture. And that was when I realized I need to be precise in building my charges and doing this job. Like, he looked at me and he was pissed. He's like, I said a man-sized hole. And I was like, damn. And I heard an example that was really good uh, in this executive coaching thing uh, that that this guy Rod Olson brought up. He was working at a job in a college level and he was doing, you know, he was going through, he was, you know, he was looking through all these processes with this organization. He was trying to turn around and become a positive area. Uh, it was a sports team. And the guy came into him and he goes, hey, man, I see what you're doing. And like, yeah, the, the, the goals are getting met, but everybody hates you. And I'm beginning to hate you, too. And he goes, wow, really? And he goes, yeah, you know what you are? You're a snowplow. And he's like, a snowplow? He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, a snowplow. He's like, you know, I think he was from Minnesota. So he's like, up there you get dumped with snow right so you got four or five six feet of snow and he's like what happens the night before if you know the snow plow is coming what do you do you pull your car into the driveway you go out you get your mail you, your kids aren't allowed to go out and play while the snow plow is going because you just got this big ass 25 foot uh shovel flying down the road and what's the goal to clear the street right remove the snow clear the street got it the snow plow will do that but if you don't move your car, if you don't take, you know, if you don't prep for this thing coming through, all right, think of it as this person, there's going to be collateral damage. Those cars are getting buried and messed up. Windows are getting broke. Uh, people are getting snowed in their driveway. They can't get out. Their mailboxes are destroyed. Maybe young kids outside or, you know, get, get hurt playing or whatever. Hey, I cleared the road. That's what you wanted, right? Yeah, dude, but you destroyed the street and everybody's pissed. So, like, did you really get the end state that you wanted? No, you didn't, right? That's the difference in precision and just showing up and just being like, yeah, sure, I'll get it done. That's the difference. Uh, great examples. Like, I love draft example of flying. Uh, same with Mellon. Uh, and then also, you know, the breaching one came that that was immediate to me. I was just like, I said a man size hole. I was like, shit, man, <laughs> like, I got it. So don't, don't mess it up along your way. Think about collateral damage too on your way to the target. 100%. One of the things, I think some of these things can be easier to picture when you're thinking purely about the work element. And if you're thinking about family and relationships, it can be a bit, a bit less clear. But I think we can all picture those relationships we have where we do have precision, 
and where we have consistency and they feel a certain way and they feel a certain way for all the people who are involved in that relationship. And you can apply yourself to increase your, your uh, precision also in those areas. So we've got some, uh, some great points. We started with a bit of know thyself, some assessment that uh, Mike's been going through recently, and it's always good. You need to know where you are before you can make any real improvements. Where are you going next? With the, uh, some great examples there about flying. I had one as well about the low-level arrows when I become a display pilot. The guy taught me, he's like, Melon, you need to land on the numbers, on speed, on center line, like not 10 meters past it. You're a display pilot now. Like, all right. And I've done that ever since. So that whole aim small, miss small can be applied. We can apply it to life. Mike had stuff around high clarity leading high understanding, which results in high performance. And mine was the high preparation leads to high confidence and high performance. And remember, we can't choose the outcomes. We can only choose the actions we take and the outcomes are going to come. So let us know how you guys uh, apply precision in your lives at work with your family and relationships. We'd love to hear from you. We uh, appreciate the reviews and feedbacks. We're seeing that, uh, well, just the, clearly this, some of these conversations are resonating with people because we see really high download rates and we just, we genuinely appreciate the opportunity to have these conversations ourselves and uh, the more widely this can get shared out, hopefully the wider the impact we can make and those reviews and ratings and so on do help the algorithm with that. So until next time, take care of yourselves and uh, look for areas where you can add a little bit of precision in your life. See you next time.